the uh, UN Secretary General uh, uh, said yesterday that the sustainability train has left the station in reference to Donald Trump's uh, potential removing of the US from the climate change agreement and suggesting that uh, if they uh, didn't keep on this journey that they would stay in the station. And that journey is something that I've been on for some time. So welcome to this episode of the Mid-Century Books Podcast. And I am your host, Heather Barrow. I am the resident curator at midcenturybooks.net. I am here today with Peter Newman. He is the author of The End of Automobile Dependence, which came out as a first edition with Island Press in 2015. He also has a brand new release for June of 2017, which is the second edition of Resilient Cities. This is also with Island Press. Peter Newman currently has a position as a professor with Curtin University in Australia. He is an internationally known scholar. He has taught in the United States at Stanford, University of Pennsylvania, and University of Virginia. He has been a Fulbright scholar. He is also an international lecturer who spoke recently for the Rockefeller Foundation's 100 Resilient Cities. And he's had a 40-year-long career as an activist academic, and he has published numerous, multiple books on the topic of sustainability. I would really consider him to be a pioneer of this whole field that now exists called sustainability. So welcome, Peter Newman, today to our podcast. We're very pleased to have you here. Thank you, Heather. I'm very happy to do this. It's just so interesting to be with somebody who for decades has been concerned about the topic of sustainability, which I now would consider really to be a household word. And you are credited with having invented the term automobile dependence. And I was wondering, how did this come about? How did you come up with that phrase? And what was the reaction at the time to that concept? Yes, it is a bit of a story. Um, I am a professor of sustainability now, and that those uh, that term is now in common use. As you mentioned, the uh, UN Secretary General uh, uh, said yesterday that the sustainability train has left the station in reference to Donald Trump's uh, potential rem- removing of the US from the climate change agreement and suggesting that uh, if they uh, didn't keep on this journey, that they would stay in the station. And that journey is something that I've been on for some time. My role in it has been mostly about how cities relate to the sustainability agenda, and in particular, their transport part and how oil uh, and so on is, is consumed by cities and the sustainability agenda is to reduce that significantly, if not get rid of it altogether. How did that happen? Well, I was uh, grew up as um, an Australian suburban person who thought that everything happened around a car, just as many my generation uh, grew up in American cities like that. And I didn't know that that was a car dependent lifestyle until I went to study in the Netherlands and I did that um, in 1972 and just found this extraordinary experience 
of not needing a car. Uh, we bought a car as soon as we got there because how else can you survive? Uh, and hardly used it. And I had this experience of running into my in, in, into my friends in the street, which I'd never done before. If you wanted to see your friends, you you, you organised somewhere to meet and you drove there. That was my growing up experience. So suddenly I'm interacting in a more urban way and walking and cycling everywhere. And it took me some time to realise that, in fact, the city was different. And in particular, it was very obvious when at, at the end of that time in the Netherlands, we uh, went to Stanford and lived in the San Francisco Bay Area and tried to ride a bike everywhere and couldn't because it was just too far and there was just not proper uh, public transport or cycle facilities. It wasn't bad at Stanford, but uh, the the uh, links to the whole of the city was very car dependent. So we really missed what it was in in the, the Netherlands that we'd experienced. And uh, so coming back to Australia, we um, started uh, to live in an area that an old space that was not. Uh, particularly car dependent and found that it was it was a better lifestyle and something that I really appreciated but what happened at Stanford when I was there was that the the oil embargo came in 1973 and the city fell apart because it suddenly was cut off from oil and they'd been importing oil for a few years and 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 in the US it was a significant panic it set in uh, back in the Netherlands, the uh, cities were also cut off from oil, but they just basically closed the freeways and let people roller skate on them. There wasn't much difference because people would get on with their lives in cities that were not car dependent. So I started studying the difference between those cities and getting numbers on it. And in 1989, we produced our first book. This was a, a PhD student of mine, Jeff Kenworthy, and we continue to work together after 40 years. Um, and that book was called Cities and Automobile Dependence. And we had selected 33 cities and collected the data for the first time on how much car use there was in comparing these cities, how much public transport there was, how the, the kind of infrastructure that was available, the density of the cities and their energy use. And we put all this into graphs and found this um, uh, rather famous uh, graph that is now in most textbooks showing an exponential decline in car use and energy use as density increases. And that relationship defined as much as anything what an automobile-dependent city was. It, it defined the notion of urban sprawl and how hard it is to do anything other than use a car. So we started the process of uh, getting numbers and showing that cities were different and had a different set of policy outcomes. We had two basic ideas, reorient the, pub, the transport priorities and re-urbanise the city so it doesn't sprawl so much. And those two ideas have been the fundamental of my career ever since. So you're really inventing the term automobile dependence and you're also connecting it to 
how cities function, what their priorities should be, you're really looking at the relationship between those two factors. Was there any controversy around this? Did you get any pushback when you started coming up with this terminology? We did. In 1989, the book came out and it went into libraries because there wasn't anything else around other than libraries for books at that stage. Um, And we wrote an article in the Journal of the American Planning Association, which summarised the book. It was called Gasoline Consumption and Cities. And its, uh, um, it had a, it, its first reaction was that uh, it got thrown in the bin, but a new editor had come along and was rather, rather intrigued by the data because people just didn't collect data on cities. Uh, most city discussions were based on uh, architectural perspectives of uh, how they looked, uh, the aesthetics of it. And I'd come from a science background rather than any um, architectural or transport background and we, we had this uh, notion of finding out how they worked in a scientific way. Well, there was a huge reaction and in particular to that um, article in the journal, um, there were two authors from the University of Southern Cal- California called Gordon and Richardson who wrote in the next edition of the journal and I'll quote it. The idea of planners turning our world upside down in pursuit of a single-minded goal is as horrible as it is alien. Newman and Kenworthy's world is the Kafkaesque nightmare that Hayek always dreaded, a world in which consumers have no voice, relative prices have no rule, and planners are tyrants. Newman and Kenworthy have written a troubling paper. Their distortions are not innocent because the uninformed may use them as ammunition to support extensive, expensive plans for central city revitalisation oh, no, and rail transit projects or stringent land use controls in a futile attempt to enforce urban compactness. Perhaps Newman and Kenworthy would be well advised to seek out another planet, preferably unpopulated, where they can build their compact cities from scratch with solar-powered transit. Now, I thought that this was... A nice world, this world of academia, and we scientifically collected data and put it out there and discussed it. This was not a mild reaction. It was a highly emotional one, and I hadn't realised what we'd stumbled on. And after a little while, we realised that it was highly political, and uh, there were a lot of money at stake, and there were a lot of lobbies, and there were lots of people who were working for these lobbies, and indeed, it was uh, it was a highly contentious area. And these um, two young strappers from Australia that had walked around the world trying to collect the data had um, had created uh, an area of significant uh, uh, dispute, and uh, it continues to this day. But basically. The, the planning world has come to accept that the term automobile dependence does describe that kind of city that you build around cars where uh, you have no other choices and that's the way it is. Well, in many cities, that is not the way it is and they're better cities. So that's been our career, is been documenting that, continuing to get in, stay involved in that debate.
I think that's just so incredible. It's just so, well, what comes to mind is that old expression that there's no such thing as bad publicity. So I'm glad that you were able to continue having a career after a review like that. Yeah, Uh, they did spell our names right. 